We've been talking, right, about how to hear from God. And it's, I know it's been more teaching than preaching, but you've got to get this. You've got to get this in your spirit because, really, it is life-changing. If you can get this, if you can start hearing from God, it's going to be an amazing thing. And so far we talked about scriptures, right? We talked about how God uses your desires, how God uses doors, and how God uses dreams and visions. And last Sunday we talked about how God uses people to speak through you. Today I want to talk about kind of the main thing, and that is promptings. In other words, actually, not, not audibly. You understand by what I mean by audibly? Not audibly hearing the voice of God. Uh, that does happen sometimes where God's voice will actually, and this is, when you think about it, to actually hear his voice with your physical ear, do you understand that takes a miracle? That God would have to take his voice and somehow bring it into this realm so that it vibrates so that your ear could physically hear it. Wow. I, I don't think I've ever actually, I've, sometimes it seems so real it seems like it, but I don't think I've actually ever heard, you know, like Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me, right? I don't know that I've ever heard that, but, but we know it's possible. Remember when Jesus was baptized and the whole crowd heard the Father speak. But isn't it interesting in that crowd that some said it thundered and some said it was angel voices and some people, some people actually heard what the voice said. You know what that tells me? That when God speaks, not everyone hears it. And when God speaks, not everyone hears it the way everyone else hears it. God could speak to us right now, and some of you would just say, is it going to rain? And others, others would just think, well, there's angels in the midst. And some of us would actually hear word for word what he's saying. And we'll talk about it a little bit more, but we all have filters, and it kind of works in reverse. In other words, these, <laughs> these filters are actually filtering out God's word as it comes in. And we need to find ways to deal with the filters in our life. Sin is a major filter. If there's sin in your life, God's not going to walk with you in the cool of the day. He's not communing with you, right? That's a huge filter. The past can be a filter. Unforgiveness can be a filter. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? There's a lot of different things. J just sometimes personality. You know, why is it that it seems like... The ladies can hear God better than the men. What's that about? We're supposed to be head of the house, and we're supposed to hear from God, and our wives hear better than we do, right? W women, women are, I'm generalizing now, but women are generally more sensitive. So sometimes it's a little easier for them to hear the voice of God because, believe me, when God's speaking, it is an emotional thing. It's a sensitive thing. It's an intimacy thing. And we guys, you know, we're kind of, you know, in, in control. And that's another thing. If you're a control freak, God help you. It's hard for you to hear from God because you have to control your everything, right? So God sometimes has to shout at control freaks. You're like the Apostle Paul. You have to be knocked off your horse in order for God to speak to you. Am I, am I speaking to anybody? <laughs> you know God can speak through me to get to you, right? So... <clears throat> Bear with me. I don't have much of a voice, so I'm not going to yell and scream at you. Is that okay? Apparently not. But I'm going to. It's amazing. I don't know where Ted went if he had to go to work, but um, he, he said that voice, he said, there's a voice behind you. That's the exact scripture I want to open with. 
It's amazing how God puts things together, isn't it? And that's one, that's one way God speaks. When things come together in unusual ways, usually that's confirmation to what He's trying to say to you. Amen? So today I want to teach you how to just listen and hear that still small voice in your head. Isaiah calls it the voice behind you. Okay? So let's go to it. They already got it up there. Isaiah 30 and verse 21. And here's what he says. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. You could read that backwards. Whenever you're getting ready to turn to the right or turn to the left, you will hear a voice behind you. That's kind of an interesting way of saying that it's, it's in you, but it's behind you, and it's telling you, go to the right, go to the left. It's telling you, stop. It's telling you, go. It's saying, pick up the pace. It's saying, get out of bed. <laughs> it's saying, go to church. I don't know why you need a word from God for that. Some things are in the Scripture. You know what to do. Don't wait on a word. <clears throat> you know you're supposed to honor the Sabbath. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Hello, church. Let's get back in church. So let's figure this out. What is this voice behind us? Now, let me start with this. There's, there's two Greek words for time, T-I-M-E. One word is chronos, and it's where we get the word, you know, chronographic or chron, you know, chronometer, and it means to actually be able to measure time. It's the actual measurement of time. It's minutes and hours and days and seconds. It's literally, um, you know, the, the quantity. It's measuring the quantity of time. But the other word is kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, for you note-takers. And kairos is not about a specific time. It's about a specific season or an event. It's not about something happening at 1030. It's about something happening in your life right now. It's the quality of time, the quality of time. For instance, we see this in the book of Esther, right, when Mordecai comes to her. I, I got to preach through the book of Esther, don't I? And Mordecai tells her, maybe you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He wasn't talking about it's noon and it's your moment. It's not about a specific hour or minute or even day. It's an event. And I'm telling you, when God speaks to you, it has nothing to do with the chronos. It has to do with kairos. It's a moment. We use that expression, I'm having a moment. Usually it's in a bad way. but um, So when God speaks, it is a moment. It's, it's almost, when God speaks to me, it's like time just kind of stops for a second. Ooh, that was him. And I know some of you think God talks like this, even if you're a woman. God's not an old man with a gray beard and Thor's hammer in his hand. That's Thor. Amen? His job is not to hammer you. God's voice sounds very much like your voice. It rides on your personality. If you have very poor grammar, God, that's the way God speaks. He says ain't and y'all and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Okay, God's into Ebonics, all that stuff. He, he knows, he knows, he knows. He rides on your personality. It's going to sound like your voice, but you'll know it's him. You'll know it's him because it's tender. From my experience, 
It's a loving kind of voice. It's a still, small voice. It's very assuring, very peaceful. But at the same time, it has great authority. It's like you, you kind of, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You know the difference. You know. It's, it's just not, it's not you. Because if it's you, you'd be rationalizing it. You would, you know, you kind of plan it and set yourself up for it and, and step one, step two, step three, and you, you go through that, and it, it's more of a rational thought. I'll, I'll break that down a little bit more in a minute. But, but God's voice, it just boom. I, sometimes, I, I told you it's a still small thing, but it also has that authority to it. Sometimes, to me, in the Word of God, it says that the Word is like lightning. And, and to me, sometimes a word from God is like a flash of lightning. You're outside at night, and for a split second, you can see everything. The whole yard is lit up. If there's someone in the yard, you can see them. You can see a dog or a deer standing out there, or whatever it is. For a split second, and isn't your eye amazing how that it could take in all that in a split second, and then it's dark again? But in that second, you saw everything. Boy, when God speaks to me, some, it's like, I mean, I'm talking about now a dramatic word from God, you know. And when you get that, it's like lightning. It's just a boom. It's like for a moment, you feel like you understand everything. God just spoke, and the way is clear. I understand, God. I know what to do. Isn't that amazing? And it doesn't have to be a whole paragraph. He just, he just lights it up for a second, and you're like, Oh, now I know. Does that make sense to anybody? The problem is, Benjamin Franklin, capturing that electricity. That's, that's it. Because, listen, from, from a pastor's point of view, you, you might be like, you know, Saturday night, and you're working on your sermon again, and, and you get one of those flashes, boom, and it's like that scripture just comes alive, and you go, oh, my God, this is amazing. And, and I've said it. I said, when they hear this, it's going to be like every one of them got hit by lightning, and they'll all be laying out on the floor. But the trouble is it goes through all these filters. And then when I speak it, it's got to come out through these filters. So by the time I get it and figure it out and try to put it through my pea brain and, and communicate it back, y'all look at me like a deer in the headlight. Like, I said, Lord, it's not coming across. It's not like a lightning flash this morning. <laughs> so that's what we got to deal with. So here's the challenge. How many filters can you remove from your life? Lord, that dropped like a lead balloon right there. That's just, that, that, they didn't get that at all. They didn't get that at all. Not receiving it. How many are still here? Whew. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They know my voice. The voice of the shepherd. There's so many things we could talk about the shepherd. I don't have time, but one of them, the things that amazes me is at night, at night the shepherd, the shepherd names every sheep, and he just calls out their name, and as he calls out their name, they come. How does a sheep, dumb, stupid sheep, how does it know? It knows the voice. Because here's the thing. At night, listen, at night there would be several shepherds using the sheepfold. So all the sheep would be mixed up. Doesn't that drive you crazy when your life's all mixed up and everything's all running together and you don't have control anymore? But he says the shepherd, each shepherd would take a turn and the shepherd would call out his sheep by name. And from that crowd of sheep, he may not even recognize them, but the sheep know his voice, and out they come. Isn't that amazing? Then the next shepherd calls his sheep out, and they just come because the sheep know his voice. 
We may be, we may be dumb as sheep. We may be dumber than a bag of hammers, okay? But we can know His voice. You don't have to go to school. You don't have to have a degree. Might take some practice, but you can know His voice. Can I get an amen? I'm going to give you four keys real quick. You ready for this? You really ought to be writing this down. Four keys, and really this is from Chris, Chris Vallerton, who's teaching pastor, prophetic pastor at, at Bethel. I love his four keys. I'm going to put it in my own words, but I'm going to take his four keys because I think it makes sense. And they come from Habakkuk. Yeah, that's a book in the Bible. Chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I will stand my watch and what? Set myself on the rampart on the wall and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. And then later he tells Habakkuk, write down the vision so people can run with it. Are you getting me? So here's the four right out of Habakkuk. Number one, get still. The more noise you allow in your life, the harder it is to hear from God. I didn't say impossible. You can actually learn to hear God in a hurricane with complete ruckus and everything falling apart all over you and people screaming and shouting, and you can hear God in the loudest noise, in the greatest turmoil. But, boy, that takes some practice. I I like the idea. I like these little stories where somebody comes from somebody comes from uh, being raised out in the country and they start walking the streets of New York and and they can hear a cricket or a bird or right because that's what they hear out there. People in the city they don't hear the cricket, they don't hear the squirrel, they don't hear the pigeon. They they've tuned out to that because they're listening to the buses go by and the taxis and 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 and, and all the noise and the noise coming from the shops and the advertising and the billboards and they're focused on that and they don't hear the cricket. Well, God's voice is the cricket in the city. Does that make sense? And we've got to get sensitive again to quiet things. So to start out, it's really important that you find a way to still yourself. Now, i got a question for you. What is the loudest voice in your life? You need to think about that. What do I mean is what is the voice that always gets your attention? When you hear that voice, not just talking about people. You know, they estimate that we see or hear 6,000 commercials per day. Now, that's noise. I don't, if you're driving down the road, if the radio's on, if the TV's on, if you're reading the newspaper or a magazine, wherever you are, I don't know if that's true. I don't have time to count them. But if it's anywhere near 6,000 a day, there's a trumpet blaring at you, and it's saying, listen, this is important. This is how you dress. This is what you eat. This is where you go. These are the people you hang out with. This is how you act. This is how you behave. It's no wonder we're losing our young people because they've, they hear all these trumpet noises and we get them on a Sunday for 30 minutes. We used to get them on Wednesday night and Sunday night. We don't get them anymore. Hello, church tonight at 6 at Crestline. 
We're spending less time in the presence of God. That's why he said, remember the Sabbath. It's the only commandment he says, remember. (laughs) Why? Because we forget to get quiet. You need this day to get quiet in his presence. To hear another voice. I realize as pastor, I've got maybe 30 minutes to say something that will get you off the course you're on and get you on a different path. I might be the only voice you hear through the week that's really coming from the throne room of God instead of the other six times seven, 42,000 commercials that you hear and your boss at work, and people giving you their opinions. And then, and then we're in this world now, uh, in, 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 in the political world, where you've got left and right, and, and, and there's nothing in between anymore, and people force you into all this political, oh, it, it's just horrible. The division in our country, and, and, and the church has been, uh, uh, you know, I want to preach a series, what in the world is going on? I think it's going to come up. You might be surprised. I don't, we get insulated in the church. You, you realize this morning I'm just talking to you. Are you okay? We get so insulated in the church, we don't even recognize that this our society isn't just gradually changing. If I could graph it over the last 20 years, it's like change, 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 change. Huge. And it's getting worse. It's not slowing down. We got that whole next generation that's coming up. Believe me, this world is up for rapid change. And we can't just sit around and gripe about it. Oh, I want to preach there. I, I don't have time to get. You got to get still. Psalms 46.10, you, you know the scriptures. Be still and know. Be still and know. Be still and know. If you don't get still, you're never going to know. And like I said, you can learn how to be still in a ruckus. Just got to learn how to listen for the crickets in the middle of the noise. And if you will, he will be exalted. Say, he'll be exalted. Psalm 62, verse 15, Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. Number one, get still. Say, get still. We could preach a whole sermon on that. You know that. Number two, get focused. Get focused. Listen, what you're focused on is what you will hear from. What you are focused on is what will speak to you, whether you like it or not. Oh, y'all aren't getting this. Don't focus on your problems when you're praying. Focus on the solution, and the, and the solution is Jesus. When you're praying, it's helpful to get a vision of Jesus. Sometimes when I'm praying, I just imagine myself literally kneeling before the throne room. I'm before the throne. Or better yet, get on the throne with him. What? What? Amen. He said, we're seated with him. We're not really kneeling in front. He says, we're seated with Jesus in heavenly places. So you're up on the lap, seated with brother Jesus, big brother, and we're talking to God. Boy, how could your prayer not be answered when Jesus is like? Now, if you're in certain denominations, they pray to saints. Aren't you glad you could pray right, right through Jesus? You don't have to know anybody but Jesus. That's wonderful. Come on, come on, come on. Get focused. I, I, like what, I like what John said, the revelator in the book of the Revelation. He said, I turned, so I turned to see the voice. There has to be a turn. You have to turn away from the noise of your life 
and start focusing on something. Now, I know you got to be careful here because I know, well, that sounds a little new agey. I can't help it if they steal some of our tactics. But you will hear from what you're focused on. I, I don't, I, God gave, do I quit? What, what was that? Keep going? I don't know, but let's do that again. I don't have it on the screen, but listen, this is from Ezekiel, right? Chapter 8 and verse something, 11, I think. Anyway, verse 7 through 12. He said, God said, son of man, dig through the wall. He said, uh, Ezekiel says, so I dug through. God tells you to dig a hole, dig a hole. He said, dig through the wall. And he said, I dug through the wall and I came upon a door. First of all, that blesses me because what we thought was a wall was really a door. Oh, that'll preach all day. What you think is, some of you are just camped out. Well, there's a wall blocking me. I got a word for you. Dig, honey. Dig. And as you dig through the wall, you'll find a door. Not every wall is the end. Oh, oh, I might just have to stop and preach right there. Where am I? Okay. that's for somebody. I dug through the wall and came upon a door. He said, now, walk through the door. Don't just stare at the door. What a pretty door. Walk through the door and take a look at the obscenities they're engaging in. In other words, he says, I'm going to give you a picture of what the church is really looking at. I don't ever want to see this. I entered and looked. I couldn't believe my eyes. Painted All over the walls were pictures of reptiles and animals and monsters. Sounds like a movie I saw the other day. The whole pantheon of Egyptian gods and goddesses being worshipped by Israel. In the middle of the room were 70 of the leaders of Israel. And he names a couple of them. Each held his censer with the incense rising in a fragrance. They're acting like they're worshipping. They're going through the motions. They're worshiping, but their eyes are on idols. Oh, I've never worshiped a reptile in my life. Good for you. But sometimes we're worshiping like, oh, I really want this new car. God, if you could just bless me, I could get cable. Lord, I struck, a, I struck something there. I, or like the woman says, I believe God's giving me that man's husband. <laughs> While she's praying, she sees the husband. Pornography. What's really on your mind? Wow. You know what? See, I don't have to yell at you to get you convicted. What's really on your mind? They have a censor. They're doing all religious things, but their eye is really focused on money or promotion or why don't I have that position? I can sing better than all them. I should be up there. You know, Judah, Judah was the only, you know, you had to be a member of the tribe of Judah to, to be in the worship team. Don't you think Issachar had some people who knew how to sing? <laughs> but Issachar had a whole different calling. They were the seers. They were the ones who could tell the times and seasons. Everybody has a different, and we need to find that and flow in what God has given us to be. Quit dry, grow where God puts you. Quit. Some of you are potted plants. You just move from window to window, get in the sun. Grow where you're planted. That's why you're not happy. Oh, Jesus, where am I? I'm never going to finish this. Get a vision of Jesus. It is important 
to get focused, focused, okay? Get still, get focused. Real quick, Ephesians 1, 17, that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Mm-hmm. And the eyes, say the eyes, the eyes of your understanding. Did you know you have spiritual eyes? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. How many know your eyes, spiritual eyes, can be enlightened? That means you could be saved and not have enlightened eyes. That you may know, say no, what is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? How many would like to look into his storehouse? Ah, one more verse there. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13. And, and Daniel says this about 14 times in the book of Daniel. And I won't read them all. Just let me read one. He said, I was watching, say watching, in the night visions. There were night visions, but I was watching. It's one thing to get a vision. It's something else to watch. You have to learn how to watch and pray. So what are you watching? Some of you are praying while Fox News is on. What, what are you watching? I watch Fox News because CNN is fake news. It's all fake news. They only put stuff on there to get you upset. There's never any good news. Oh, hello. I'll offend all of you. I'll go to MSNBC before I'm over. I guess, you know, check in once in a while, see what's going on. But it's all skewed. Come on. It's all. I was watching. What are you watching in your vision? Right? Habakkuk said, I, I watched to see. I turned to see, John said. And behold, one like the Son of Man coming from the con- right the angel. But anyway, I just want you to catch that. I was watching in the night visions. And he says that about 14 times. He said, I was watching and then I saw. I was watching and then I saw. Listen, one of the things you need to do in prayer is stop just rattling off your prayer list. There's nothing wrong with that. Do that. But, but you need to spend more time watching and praying. Just watching, focusing on what? Focus on Jesus and not these other things. Uh, are you okay? Are you getting this? It's hard to do this so briefly. Number three, get spontaneous. God's Word, as I mentioned earlier, His voice to you is going to be spontaneous. It's going to be a right brain thing, not a left brain thing. See, I'm left-handed. I'm in my right mind. You all know that, right? And if you're right-handed and you're in your left brain, you're in your wrong brain. That's not scriptural. Quit freaking out. Over there. Where does it say that? It's a joke. Get over it. The right side of your brain is the spontaneous creative part, right? The left brain is where all the control freaks live, right? That's the analytical, got to plan this out, step one, step two, step three. And so most of us tend to go either right brain or left brain. We tend to be more spontaneous, creative, or we tend to be more organized, detail-oriented, right? And sometimes people tell me, I'm both. What do you think about that, Pastor? I said, I think you need to be medicated because they're trying to organize their spontaneity, right? Good luck with that. God's voice. Isn't this neat that the Hebrew word for prophecy means it's... it's, uh, and it means to bubble up. God's Word will bubble up in your prayer time. So you watch to see, and it's spontaneous. It's just, boom, there it is. You didn't know where it came from. People say, I, I, I don't know where this came from. Well, you kind of need to know. 
But I understand what you mean. It just came out of nowhere. It's just, it bubbles up. It's interesting that, that, the, that the word, the word for, for prophecy that's false prophecy means to boil up. So it's forced up. You have to apply heat. You can't make God speak to you. You can't force him. You can't say, God's going to speak to me now. Here it comes. And sometimes people will try to, out of their emotions or whatever, or their sense of need, they will actually force a word, but it's something they want to happen. And that's a, that's a boiled-up word. It boiled up out of your emotions. Some people want something so badly that they actually think it's God. Careful. If it has to boil up, it's not God. If it bubbles up, it's just when oxygen gets under the water, it just naturally bubbles up. God's voice coming through this atmosphere. God's voice coming through you. It's just a bubbling up, coming up through those filters and coming into your brain. And you go, that's God. I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. God has spoken to you, sometimes even a sinner. Oh, yeah, he can do that. And you'd be surprised how he can do that. I mean, he spoke through a donkey, right? God, I almost guarantee you, God's voice, God has spoken to you. You just don't know it. You just had that creative thought. You just had an amazing idea. You just, you just suddenly had this urge to go here instead of there and saved your life. God's always speaking to you. The trick is you, you need to start recognizing it as God. Does that make sense? And it's time to start to say, oh, that was God. And start giving him credit for it, giving him the glory for it, and thanking God for it. I tell you, if anything good happens to me, I thank God. I thank God for the bad because it always leads to the good. Come on, he's in charge. He's either in charge or he's not. And if he's in charge, something bad happens, so what? Something good's going to come if you believe it. Anybody with me? And I'm not saying it won't be hard. Boy, there's some hard stuff. But he said, pick up your cross and follow me. How many are still here? Oh, that was weak, Lord. Get spontaneous. Second Corinthians chapter 10 talks about this, how that for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, right? Casting down arguments, things in your mind that are arguing against the will of God. Other voices, other noises, things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, the truth of God. He said, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And it's not, it's not some control thing in your head. It's simply saying, that's God's voice. I receive it. I believe it. I got it. That's not from God. I reject it. I don't believe it. Out of here. And by God's grace, you do that. God's great. Real quick, the last one. Write it down. Get to writing. Revelation 1, 11 and and John, God tells John 14 times, I'm the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the churches. What you see, write. Why did God do that? Because when he gave Adam the instructions, Adam never wrote it down, and we know how that worked out. So now when John comes along, he says, oh, by the way, write it down. It's a two-way, it's a two-way thing. It's a double journal. First of all, write down everything you think God is saying. I mean, everything you, whether you, you're sure or not, write it down. Because sometimes it doesn't make sense now, but it may make sense next week, 